Welcome to Cancer Informant. Dr. Anthony Maglioco is your guide to the world of various cancers. He is the CEO and Medical Director of Protean Biodiagnostics. He's a board-certified pathologist and professor of oncology and pathology with over 30 years of experience working with cancer. Join him as we dissect and discover the inner workings of different types of cancers. Hello, welcome. I'm Dr. Tony Malioko, and I'm the Cancer Informant. Today's episode, we're going to talk about pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer remains one of the most challenging cancers uh, to diagnose and treat. It's my pleasure to talk to you about that today and to give you an overview and current thoughts about pancreatic cancer and treatment opportunities, etc. First, we should probably talk about um, the pancreas. What is it? Why is it difficult to diagnose pancreatic cancer? And what are the consequences of pancreatic uh, cancer? The pancreas is a really important organ. It's attached to the GI system. It has actually two major functions. It's got what we call the exocrine pancreas and the endocrine pancreas. The exocrine pancreas is the part of the pancreas that makes enzymes and juices that are used to digest food. The pancreas is critical to making a variety of uh, very powerful enzymes, which are basically molecular machines that are manufactured in the pancreas and then secreted through the ducts into the small bowel, where they're mixed in with the food following the, the stomach. These powerful enzymes are activated by the, the stomach acid, and they get right to work uh, digesting all of the fats and proteins and sugars and all of the things that are in a normal uh, meal. And so the pancreas's main role is to really secrete those, those powerful digestive juices to really break down the food right to a molecular level, right down to the individual proteins and lipids so that it can be easily absorbed into the blood and then carried to the liver where it's further processed into the nutrients that the body will use uh, to, to manufacture and sustain itself. So a uh, very, very important function there with, uh, with the pancreas for digestion. It also has uh, what we call the endocrine pancreatic function. And uh, most people will be familiar with insulin and diabetes. So the pancreas has special cells that um, make insulin and also other hormones such as glucagon and somatostatin, etc. These hormones are called endocrine, meaning that they're not actually put into ducts, they're actually secreted directly into the blood, and they have the function of really regulating blood sugar level. Now, um, there's two types of diabetes that you might be aware of, a childhood type or type 1, and in this case, the pancreatic islet cells are destroyed. It's unclear why. But often at a young age, uh, the cells are destroyed and then the pancreas is no longer capable of making insulin. <clears throat> and this can be a fatal condition uh, for young people um, as the sugar can no longer be regulated. Hence, they need to uh, be replaced with proper sugar balance and insulin uh, generally for the rest of their lives. Now, if we return back into what are the types of diseases that can affect 
the pancreas. The pancreas can be affected with a variety of things, uh, acute pancreatitis. This can be seen where a stone blocks the pancreas and it gets inflamed, or in uh, certain drugs such as alcohol can cause the pancreas to become acutely inflamed and cause problems with its functioning, which can cause pain and disruption of its normal activities, which can result in poor digestion and indigestion and other problems. Now, in terms of cancer, the cancers can occur in either the exocrine pancreas or the endocrine. The endocrine are not so common, and I'll reserve talking about them another day. We'll focus on the exocrine pancreas or the ductal pancreas system. This is where most of the pancreatic cancers arise. These are the ones that cause the most problems for patients. Now, what are the symptoms of pancreatic cancer? Well, one of the problems is that there may be no symptoms at all. And, and this is because the pancreas is really tucked right away at the back of your body, back against the spine, behind the stomach. It can grow a mass and you can't feel it. G generally, the way a pancreatic cancer will make itself apparent might be through weight loss. A patient may notice that they're losing a lot of weight, even though they're not dieting or attempting to lose weight and become concerned with it. So this is the cachexia or wasting that's often seen in pancreatic uh, cancers. So that can be a problem. Another uh, way a pancreatic cancer can present is blockage of the bile duct. So the bile ducts drain from the liver and the gallbladder through the pancreas. So if there is a, a mass or a tumor in the pancreas, it can actually disrupt the flow bile from the liver and, and the gallbladder. And this can lead to a blockage or a backup of bile, which can then cause jaundice where a patient presents with a discoloration of the skin or their eye. That's usually the place you would look for jaundice. A doctor would look at the white of the eyeball that that's the place you can actually see if there is a turn towards yellowness or greenness where the bilirubin is, is backed up in the blood and can be deposited in tissue. Jaundice also frequently causes a lot of itchiness, can have a lot of side effects as well. That's another manifestation of cancer. Another might be as if the tumor gets bigger, it can certainly cause pain if it starts to invade the nerves, and then it can cause bleeding disorders. So Pancreatic cancers are notorious for causing clotting problems like uh, migratory thrombophlebitis, where you get clots uh, occurring in the veins and, and the blood vessels as a consequence of uh, pancreatic cancer. And this is usually because the pancreas is uh, leaking things into the blood system that activate the clotting systems. These are um, some of the key concerns about pancreatic cancer and how it can arise. Some of the pancreatic cancers are actually cystic and this can cause a problem. So you may go for a CT scan or an MRI or even an ultrasound and to notice, oh, there's a cyst in your pancreas. Cysts are relatively common, um, but if one's discovered in your pancreas, it raises the question, could this cyst be benign or malignant? Usually the way to diagnose this uh, would be to put a needle into it and aspirate out the cystic fluid, send it to pathology and have a look to see if malignant cells are present. Sometimes this is uh, easier said than done and uh, a typical result may come back. There's now effort to try to improve the diagnostic accuracy of cystic needle biopsies by using molecular findings or molecular diagnostics. And so this area is progressing fairly quickly. Now, sometimes that pancreatic cancer could also spread. 
so that you find a metastasis of the pancreatic cancer in the lung or some other location. And so at that stage, that would obviously be a, a stage four pancreatic cancer, which is generally considered to be a non-curable, but certainly treatable. And people with advanced pancreatic cancer can have uh, long durable responses with some of the, the therapies. Now, what are the treatment choices uh, for pancreatic cancer? And what are the diagnostic Modality. So first of all, we'll start for the diagnostics. So usually uh, the diagnostics would be imaging. So you'd image to see, is there a mass in the pancreas? Is it confined to the pancreas? And is the lesion resectable? Is it involving blood vessels or major nerves? Can this actually be easily removed without causing uh, problems to the patient? Or has it spread? Is there evidence that the lymph nodes are involved? In which case, removing it may not make much of a difference. We always need tissue. Tissue is critical for pathology because sometimes uh, benign lesions uh, can actually look like malignancy on an x-ray and it's really vital that we get that tissue to really determine, is this actually a cancer? And now more than ever, it's very important that a molecular analysis be done on a cancer specimen because there are so many more treatment opportunities available. Even for a pancreatic cancer, there are many targeted therapies that can be used in some cases. For example, um, some of the pancreatic cancers have fusions of genes such as NTREC uh, 1, 2, and 3, or some of them have uh, microsatellite instability, which may open up treatment opportunities with checkpoint inhibitors. So having tissue on hand is absolutely vital. And I always recommend that the patients uh, make sure they get an adequate biopsy. And even if they go the extra mile, it may be important to take extra tissue. There are even new techniques that can be applied to frozen tissue. So if some of that tissue could be frozen, there might even be more powerful molecular analyses that can be performed on that to look at structural variations and so on. Getting tissue for molecular analysis is obviously very important. Now, the next thing is staging. Is the cancer re resectable or not? And sometimes a cancer that's borderline resectable, it may actually respond to therapy. So um, in a neoadjuvant setting, if chemotherapy or radiotherapy is given, a cancer may shrink and it may actually change from being uh, unresectable to being resectable. So that's always a consideration for people with pancreatic cancer. Do they have a treatable tumor? Can they be treated with neoadjuvant therapy? Remember, neoadjuvant therapy is therapy designed to shrink the tumor to make surgical excision possible where it may not have been possible before. So it's an important technique to really help manage cancers that might be locally advanced and this treatment can shrink it and then make it available or make it now surgically excisable, which can be really important. Now, liquid biopsies are useful. Um, one of the markers that's been around for a, a long time is uh, CA19.9. So it can be a useful marker to track pancreatic cancer in terms of if it's going up or down, it gives you the volume of the disease. So it can be quite useful to determine if there's residual disease uh, responding after surgery or if the trend is going up or down. So uh, CA 19.9 is quite good. Now, there are other technologies that are now coming along looking for cell-free DNA in the pancreas or in the blood of uh, pancreas patients. And uh, often the pancreas has defined molecular alterations such as uh, KRAS, 
mutations. It may have other types of mutations. Some pancreatic cancers will have um, HER2 amplifications or IDH1 or all kinds of mutations that are actually could be potentially targetable treatments that are pan tumors. So, but it's really quite important to evaluate uh, the molecular phenotype of really any tumor, any solid tumor, since there are now pan tumor indications such as uh, Amtrak 1 inhibitors. MSI and other tumor markers that can be used uh, to select a therapy regardless of whether it's pancreas or colon or wherever. Those pan tumor indications are always worth a look. Further, what's really important, I think this is a really important message for patients, is clinical trials. I personally believe that every patient should consider a clinical trial, particularly if they're reasonably well. In fact, one of the um, enrollment criteria for most trials is a good performance status, meaning that, that a patient does need to be well and able to, to, to get onto a trial, that generally they do not want advanced stage or patients who are um, in a high degree of morbidity. So considering clinical trials when, uh, when a patient is well is something that one should do. Really every cancer patient potentially could get onto one or more clinical trials, and this can be extremely helpful. Um, particularly if um, there's thoughtfulness given to the clinical trial that you choose. So there are literally hundreds and thousands of clinical trials available. Um, so one would want to look carefully at what sort of tumor do you have? What is the molecular features? Is the trial open at a site near you? Does the trial look like it's got an agent you'd be interested in using? Like, Does it look like it could be a, an effective treatment? And usually when an agent goes into clinical trials, it does have to show that it does have efficacy, particularly if it's going into stage two or three, where you're really looking at the impact that practice changing trial to use a new therapy, but typically will go to the FDA. Now, remember, uh, some people say, I don't want to be a guinea pig. Well, you're not a guinea pig. What, what's actually happening on a clinical trial is that you're getting best available treatment. So typically, there's two arms. On arm one, you get best current treatment. Arm two is you get best current treatment, usually plus a new drug or a new agent, which could be extremely effective that has shown promise in experimental work and early clinical use. So this gives you early access to perhaps a very powerful treatment. Also in some clinical trials, uh, some patients ask, well, what if I'm a placebo or on arm? Well, generally there, there isn't really placebo arms unless there is no treatment. Uh, there's a standard treatment arm. But typically in a lot of studies, uh, there's something called a crossover. As a, a trial progresses, and if you do progress on your arm, you may cross over to the experimental arm um, as part of an ethical trial construction. Uh, to make sure that you do have the benefit of that novel agent as well, should a novel agent uh, be available for you. So certainly um, consider clinical trials as being a very powerful opportunity. Now, um, some other aspects about pancreatic cancers are, in some cases, there may be cancers that have spread to the pancreas that are not primary pancreas. So these are some unusual tumors. And some tumors that like to do this include small cell cancer of the lung, which may actually spread to the nodes around the pancreas and block them and can mimic a pancreatic cancer. So careful examination will show that this is not a primary pancreatic cancer. And uh, then others, lymphoma or other kinds of uh, tumors around the pancreas could potentially invade in that area and mimic uh, pancreatic cancer. So there could be other tumors that may not be pancreatic cancer. 
Now let's talk a little bit about genetics. There's a subset of pancreatic cancers that are familial. And this means that patients have inherited genes from their parents that have predisposed them to developing cancer and particularly pancreatic cancer. So uh, BRCA syndrome is one of those, usually BRCA1 and 2 and the similar genes are associated with an increased risk of breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, but it's also associated with an increased risk of pancreatic cancer. One should keep in mind that um, genetic testing for genes like BRCA genes uh, are important. There are also other genes, the Lynch genes, uh, STIC11, there's a syndrome of melanoma, pancreatic cancer syndrome, and many more where there are actually inherited genes that can be related to, uh, to pancreatic cancer risk. Knowing if you have an inherited gene can be very useful uh, for a couple of reasons. So one is to determine, uh, might you be at risk of other cancers in your body? So if you you know, have a BRCA mutation, perhaps you're, you're at increased risk of colon or breast cancer as well. Um, the other is that if you do carry one of these genes, it actually has some implications for therapy. So that um, if you do have a homologous recombination deficiency gene, perhaps a PARP therapy, PARP inhibitor could be used. If you do have a Lynch syndrome, that a checkpoint inhibitor can be used in you. And also uh, knowing that you have an inherited gene has some implication for your family members. So first degree relatives, this could be your parents, your brothers, your aunts, your uncles, and your children uh, could also be at risk of inheriting that gene. And it would be useful to know if uh, they're at increased risk of getting cancer during their lifetime so that they may be able to perhaps modify lifestyle or perhaps um, increase scrutiny or screening to try to detect uh, cancers at an earlier stage. So beyond inherited conditions, what else causes pancreatic cancer? So we know that other things can be uh, exposure to certain chemicals and carcinogens and tobacco smoke. Uh, sometimes you will see KRAS mutations and other markers of chemical carcinogenesis uh, may also be a factor uh, for, for causing pancreatic cancer. So in, in summary, uh, pancreatic cancer is a uh, one of the more difficult cancers. Unfortunately, its frequency is increasing. It can be difficult to diagnose because it may present late, may present with, uh, with jaundice or nonspecific findings such as weight loss. Sometimes uh, patients may discover a cyst on an x-ray and that can lead to investigation with um, fine needle aspirates or some other types of procedures. Hopefully we're now looking at uh, blood tests, perhaps blood screening tests that might be able to detect pancreatic and other cancers at an earlier stage. So there's intense work in this area looking at cell-free DNA, methylation markers and DNA, proteomics, immune response, et cetera, et cetera, that could give us clues uh, that there's an early cancer there and a cancer that can be treatable early with, uh, with surgery and that can be treated with curative intention. That concludes our uh, discussion of pancreatic cancers. Uh, pancreatic cancers, again, are treated mostly with chemotherapy and radiation. There are some new advances with targeted therapies with the Antrex and the checkpoint inhibitors. But pancreatic cancer is an area where there's a lot of investigation. If you do happen to have pancreatic cancer, there's a lot of support out there 
from uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Foundations that strongly urge uh, patients who are suffering with pancreatic cancer to, to reach out to those groups. But also, always, I'm a very, very strong advocate for one, make sure you get that second opinion diagnosis to confirm the accuracy of your diagnosis. And also, molecular profiling is now becoming really standard uh, for patients with cancer. It can uncover treatment opportunities. It can uncover hereditary risk factors. It's really a very important uh, opportunity to help open up treatment opportunities and perhaps even enrollment on clinical trials. And then finally, I'd say definitely clinical trials should be always considered for patients with cancer. Clinical trials get access to the latest standards, get access to innovative therapies, get care, and are available really around the country. These are some of the things to really consider if you or a loved one does have pancreatic cancer. Look at these opportunities and uh, please visit the Cancer Informant if you have any questions. I appreciate your uh, tuning in and watching our episodes. Uh, please visit our websites if you have any questions or any comments uh, about our program or if you would like other topics to be discussed in the future. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining the Cancer Informant. Take care. Bye-bye.